Friends, I hope that your life has been completely changed because you can say, the Lord is my shepherd, therefore I have everything that I need. Would you pray with me? Great shepherding God, we give you thanks for bringing us into this place this day. We pray that we will discern the voice of our shepherd, that we will hear what you have to say to us this day. We pray that we'll be very sensitive and very tender toward your presence in this place. We pray, God, that we will indeed have ears to hear what you're saying to us this day. We know, God, that you've called us together. We're not here by accident, that being here is part of your divine guidance in our lives. So we, with great excitement, anticipate your word to us today. In the powerful name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Friends, I suspect that I don't have to convince you that any of us, given what human nature is, can leave this place in, in just a matter of moments, do something that will negatively impact our lives. We are fairly adept at that as human beings. We can do something quickly that can change the whole course of our lives and bring great pain, bring great sorrow into our lives. But I, I hope I can convince you today that you also, in just a matter of moments, can do something that will have a tremendous positive effect on your lives. That you can do something in just a matter of moments that will bear great fruit in your life as you seek the life that you desire. I want to encourage you that you can in 45 to 50 seconds do something that will have a very positive impact on your life. And I want to encourage you to do this later today, and I want to encourage you to do this for at least the next month as you spend 45 to 50 seconds every day, at least once a day, going back to Psalm 23. It takes only 45 seconds or 50 seconds to, to read Psalm 23 slowly and reflectively in a way that the words can sink into your spirit. And I will make a promise to you, if you will just for the next 30 days at least, once a day if not more, just return to this beloved text from the Hebrew Bible, Psalm 23. And just by spending 45 to 50 seconds a day allowing this psalm to become your profession of faith will transform your life in so many ways. Psalm 23 is one of the most beloved texts of Scripture that we find in the Bible. It is used frequently in weddings. It's, it's very beautiful, I think, when it's used in weddings. It's used even more frequently, I think, in funerals. And I've noticed over the years that particularly at graveside, when we're gathered there, 
uh, to say goodbye to someone, even in this very secular, even in this very post-Christian age, I can invite the people gathered at the grave to join me in reciting the 23rd Psalm. And even in this age, there are still many people that can join me as I recite Psalm 23 there at the graveside. This may be one of the most beloved, most recognized passages of Scripture in our Bible. I hope that you know Psalm 23 well. We read it a few moments ago. We read it out of what they call in England the authorized version of the Bible. Here in the States, we tend to call it the King James Version of the Bible. That's the way most of us learned this text when we were young. I hope that you know Psalm 23 well. And I hope that at least for the next month, you'll allow Psalm 23 to become part of your daily living. And then maybe you too will come to understand why this text has been so, so instrumental in the lives of so many Christians throughout our history. It is an affirmation of faith. And if you can make the first statement of faith that occurs in this psalm, I mean really make it and believe it and receive it, then everything else that the psalm says is true for you. This psalm begins with the affirmation, the Lord is my shepherd. Now, I know we don't know a lot about shepherds in this culture. In the Bible, shepherds are mentioned over 700 times. Shepherds are very much part of the biblical culture. And even today, if you travel to the Middle East, uh, in places such as Israel, you'll still see shepherds and sheep. But even though we don't see a lot of shepherds and sheep any longer in our culture, I think most of us can get the picture that's being laid down here for us in this text, as God is being painted as a shepherd. Even though we don't tend to see them on a regular basis, we know enough about shepherds from television and movies to pick up what King David is laying down here in this psalm when he says, the Lord is my shepherd. We know that a shepherd is a a person that guides and protects and nurtures and nourishes and leads sheep wherever sheep need to go. But did you hear what David said? The Lord is... My shepherd. He could have just said the Lord is a shepherd or the Lord is the shepherd. And that would still be a wonderful, wonderful affirmation of faith. But this psalm begins with the Lord is my shepherd. One of the reasons Psalm 23 is so beloved by God's people is the number of personal pronouns that occur in this psalm. In the authorized version, there are 17 personal pronouns. My, I, me. So it's really important that the psalm doesn't say the Lord is a shepherd, the Lord is even the shepherd, but the Lord is my shepherd. Again, I hope you can make this profession of faith this morning. The Lord is my shepherd. If you can make that profession of faith, then you can say the rest of the psalm with great faith that the rest of the psalm is true for you. The Lord is my shepherd, therefore, therefore I shall not want. You actually can translate the Hebrew there, therefore, I have everything that I need. And David knew exactly that's what he was saying. 
Because the Lord is my shepherd, I have everything I need. I may not have everything I want in our use of the word want, but we have everything that we need in our shepherding God. You know, if you have one of those nights when sleep eludes you and you spend time in your restlessness, one of the things I would encourage you to consider doing is just as you're trying to find rest, relaxation, and sleep, to just say over and over and over in your spirit, the Lord is my shepherd. I have everything that I need. The Lord is my shepherd. I have everything that I need. The Lord is my shepherd, therefore I have everything that I need. When you can let that settle into your spirit, your life will change. Maybe the sleep will arrive on any given night. The Lord is my shepherd, therefore I have everything I need. Notice verse 2. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. We know a lot about green pastures here in our world. We see a lot of greenery around us. But of course, in the Middle East, where David was, they knew not as much about green pastures. Uh, I remember on one of my first trips to Israel, and frequently as you're driving from Jerusalem down through the Judean desert to the Dead Sea, you'll still see a lot of shepherds with their flocks. And I would see these shepherds with their flocks out in the Judean desert, and I, would, I was wondering, what are they eating? The Judean desert appears to be so barren, so stark. It appears to be just rocks out there in the Judean desert. But that's where you'll see the sheep and the shepherds. So I asked, what are they eating out there? And my guide told me that if you could get close enough, get out of your vehicle on the main road and go walk in the Judean desert, you will find some little clumps of grass here and there. So the shepherd leads the sheep to find those little clumps of grass that are out there. Sometimes hard to find, but they're out there. Here in this psalm, the declaration is that our shepherd not will just lead us to the grass that we need, but will lead us to green pastures. We are fond of green pastures in our world. Can you imagine what that means in the Middle East? That our shepherd can lead us to oases. Our shepherd can lead us to those places where we don't find just a patch of grass, but we can find green pastures. And not only will we find green pastures, that our shepherd can also lead us to still waters. Again, if you don't know the Judean desert, you don't know that frequently what happens in the Judean desert is it will rain up in the mountains of Judea and the water will rush down through the Judean desert into the Dead Sea. And as that water rushes to the Dead Sea, sheep will be very frightened to drink out of something so turbulent as that rushing water. And that's why sheep will starve to death unless their shepherd leads them to still water. Our shepherd leads us to oases. Our shepherd leads us to green pastures. Our shepherd leads us to still waters, which is why we can make the statement at the beginning of verse 3, he restoreth my soul. The word soul here in the Hebrew, nephesh, means really more than we mean by soul. In the Hebrew mindset, uh, the human being is a unit, body, mind, spirit, soul, 
emotions, uh, will. They're a unit we tend to categorize and separate parts of the human being, body, soul, spirit, mind. But the word nephesh means your soul. It means all that you are. It means your very life. So what the psalmist is saying here is that our shepherding God provides everything that we need, will lead us to the green pastures, will lead us to still waters from which we might drink, and therefore, he restores our lives. He gives us back our very lives. I don't need to convince you that the living of life, particularly the living of life in this world, can drain us of our energy, The living of life in this world can drain us of our well-being. Because life is so complicated and so complex, life can just take away our vitality, our vigor, take away our excitement, our enthusiasm. But the psalmist says that our shepherding God can restore our life, can give our lives back was. Some people in this world need to learn how to get off the treadmill for a few moments and have life restored. And sometimes they look for really bizarre places to find life restored, but our shepherding God can restore our lives. He restoreth my soul. Not only does he give us our lives back according to the psalm, he will lead us in the right ways. He will lead us in paths of righteousness. He will lead us in the ways of life that will bring honor to the shepherd. Again, we are sheep. We need to be guided. We can wander and we can wander into perilous places as sheep. But he restores our life and then leads us the right way, down the right paths, the paths of righteousness that bring honor to God. Verse 4, he says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. The Hebrew there literally says, Yea, though I walk through the darkest, darkest valley. There's no reference actually to death in the Hebrew here. It's just the darkest valley. But of course, that includes the valley of the shadow of death. But some of you are in dark, dark valleys right here, right now, this morning. And if you don't know what it means to walk through the darkest valley. Just wait, it will happen in your life. Or wait, it will happen again in your life. Sometimes we just find ourselves in that darkest of valleys. I'm so grateful that this psalm tells us that our shepherding God will lead us during those times, not only lead us while we're in those darkest valleys, but will lead us through those darkest valleys, we will come out on the other side of those valleys. And while we're in the midst of those valleys, we can proclaim to everyone around us, I will fear no evil. These dark valleys, the circumstances of life might hurt us. They will hurt us, but they will not ultimately harm us. Our shepherd will get us through the darkest valleys and we will get home before the darkness completely descends. He says, I will fear no evil because for thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. We go through those darkest valleys with our shepherding God. His rod, 
that was a weapon for the shepherd in the first century, uh, and before that is a weapon that the shepherd would use to, to protect the sheep from other wild animals. Our shepherd in God has a rod with which we are protected, has a staff, that's a long instrument, that the shepherd would use to guide his sheep. So even as we make our way through the darkest of valleys, our God will be with us to keep us from ultimate harm. Our God will protect us. Our God will guide us. And we will come out on the other side of that darkest valley. I'm so glad that anytime we're in the darkest valley, anytime we're even going through the valley of the shadow of death, we know that we can go through that valley with our shepherding God. We will go through that valley hand in hand with our good shepherd. I've seen more people make their passage through the valley of the shadow of death than I can remember. I, I stopped counting when I hit over 300 funerals. I've seen so many people make that passage from life to death. My, my wife, a hospice nurse, I'm sure has seen more than I've seen make that journey through the valley of the shadow of death. And I'm realistic. I know that with every heartbeat, I'm getting closer to making my journey through the valley of the shadow of death. So I'm very, very glad and comforted to know that when my time comes, I will not stop in the middle of that valley. I will not reside in that valley, but I will pass through that valley hand in hand with my shepherd. Notice that there are two images here in this great psalm that help us understand God. Here's the image of the shepherd, the first four verses of this psalm. But then in verses 5 and 6, we shift. David is mixing his metaphors. David is mixing his images here. We move from the image of a shepherd in the first four verses to the image of a host in verses 5 and 6. And in verses 5 and 6, we learn some other great truths about what it means to be in relationship to our God. It says, Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Our God is a host. Our God prepares a table for us. Every time we celebrate the Eucharist, that is a foretaste of the Messianic banquet. Heaven is pictured as a Messianic banquet. So this preparing of a table before us, sharing a meal with us, is a very significant image in the Hebrew mind. And it says our God will prepare a table for us in the presence of our enemies. It used to bother me that our enemies were referenced here in this psalm. I like to think I don't have enemies, but I've lived long enough now to know that I have enemies. We have enemies. We have the great enemy of our soul. When Jesus said to us, you should love your enemies, he was assuming you would have some. And here we find this text where we learn that our shepherding God provides a table for us in the presence of our enemies. Our enemies will see us at table with our God. In other words, our enemies will see the relationship we have with our God. To sit at table with anyone is a great sign of intimacy, familiarity, 
and fellowship. Table fellowship is so important in the Bible. And here this psalm is telling us we will have table fellowship with our God and our enemies will bother us no more. They will see that from a distance. As the old African-American spiritual says, there is coming a time when the wicked will trouble us no more. We will have a table with our God. It'll be it will be prepared for us in the presence of our enemies. They can see the relationship, but to have this relationship of God as a host to a guest is a tremendous relationship. Thou anointest my head with oil. Of course, the word oil is a reference to olive oil in the biblical literature. Olive oil in biblical times was used as medicine. Olive oil, particularly if you're living in a hot climate like the Judean desert, olive oil would help to soothe your cracked skin. Olive oil would help to soothe your bruised body. Olive oil, of course, becomes throughout the rest of the Scripture symbolic for the Holy Spirit. So here the psalmist is saying, He anoints us with the Holy Spirit. The word Christ means anointed. God sent Jesus as the anointed one for us. The word Christ means anointed. Christians means that we are the anointed ones. We are those who have been anointed with the Spirit of Christ, just as Christ was the anointed one. Our heads will be anointed with oil. We will be drenched with the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit that works in our lives to make real the presence of our shepherd in God. It is the Holy Spirit in our lives that unites us to the body of Christ. My cup runneth over. You know, there are people in the world for whom their cup is always half empty. There are people in the world for whom their cup is always half full. But then there's people in the world like us who know that our cup runneth over. We should be so filled with the, the oil of the Holy Spirit that the people around us know that we, as the people of Jesus Christ, have experienced the oil, and our cup is not just full, but our cup is running over. Then verse 6, the climax, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life here in this world. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The relationship that we have with our host the relationship that we have with our shepherd is not just for this world. It is for this world, but it's also for the world to come. And we will continue in this relationship. Surely goodness, that's the goodness of God. Mercy, that's one of the most important words in the Hebrew Bible. It's rather like agape in the New Testament, God's love. It's rather like shalom in the Bible, God's peace. Hesed is one of those words that really needs at least a sentence to translate it. We usually translate it with one word here. It's translated mercy. King James actually made up another word in some places, loving kindness, to translate hesed. But we know from the Hebrew Bible what hesed means. We know what it means. I hope you've experienced it. I hope you're feeling it right now. Hesed, if I were to try to translate into English, I would say hesed is that loyal, tenacious, strong, prevailing, covenant love of God toward us. I hope that you know how 
tenacious God is and the way God wants to love you. I hope that you have experienced God's tenacity. He, he refuses, unless you just so desire it, He refuses to let you wander by yourself in those darkest valleys. Surely goodness and hesed shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. What you see right there in that verse is you move from being a guest at the table of the shepherd, at the table of your host. You move from being a guest to being a permanent resident. It's all about the fellowship. It's all about the relationship. I hope this day you can say with great conviction, the Lord is my shepherd. I hope that you know this psalm well, but I hope that you know the, the shepherd even better than you know the words of this psalm. You know, if you pick up books about the 23rd psalm, almost universally, people will write about the 23rd psalm and they will attribute the 23rd psalm to the young King David because the young David was a shepherd boy. It was there in his youth when he functioned as a shepherd. So they tend to think this psalm came out of the life of the young David when he was functioning as a shepherd boy. I have a hard time believing that. When I look at this psalm, I see a mature faith. I see a faith of someone who has lived a lot of life. I think when I read this psalm, I'm encountering a David who had long ago fought his Goliaths in life. I think I'm encountering a David who fought Saul and prevailed, who had to flee from Saul and become king. I, I think I'm even listening to a David who had gone through great pain as a result of his relationships in his family. Remember that little affair with Bathsheba? Remember how he ended up, David ended up murdering the husband of Bathsheba? Remember how David's son, David's very own son Absalom, rebelled against David and, and rebelled with many of the people against King David. Now, I think when I read the 23rd Psalm, I'm hearing a mature faith of an older David who has lived a great deal of life, and he knows exactly what it means when he says, the Lord is my shepherd, I have everything he I have everything that I need. He restores me. He gives me my life back. He leads me in the right paths. And even if I walk through the darkest of valleys, this, this God's going to protect me. This God is going to comfort and guide me. And this God is inviting me into a deep relationship, a table fellowship. This God is inviting me to be a special guest, but eventually will allow me to become a permanent resident in the presence of this great God. I think this is a mature King David talking at this point. So I hope you know Psalm 23 well. I encourage you to spend 45, 50 seconds a day for just the next month and, and read this Psalm reflectively. Let it let it seep into your spirit and see what happens. In the Gospel of John, you heard it a few moments ago, Jesus said that he is the good shepherd. 
We Christians know what Jesus is saying to us when we hear Jesus say he is the good shepherd. Here are all these images in the Hebrew Bible, the Old Testament, where God is pictured as a shepherd. And then we turn to the New Testament, and Jesus, John 10, says, I am the good shepherd. 1 Peter in the New Testament, chapter 5, refers to Jesus as the chief shepherd. The book of Hebrews in the New Testament, chapter 13, refers to Jesus as the great shepherd. So we, even better than Hebrew believers, know about this good shepherd, this chief shepherd, this great shepherd who is our God. We know about the shepherd's great love for us. I hope that you know this love. I hope that you experience this love. I hope that you feel this affection that the shepherd has for you right now as you're seated in this place. It's a given, church. Like Isaiah 55 says, all we like sheep have gone astray. We are all like sheep. Sheep are not brilliant animals. All we like sheep have gone astray, and we wander off to ridiculous places. We can live with great stupidity in our lives. That's why we need a shepherd. All we like sheep have gone astray, but the good news is we have a shepherd. I hope that you know the shepherd. I hope that you know how helpless you are without your shepherd. I hope that you're wise enough to entrust your life just as a sheep entrust his or her life to the shepherd. I hope that you know that the shepherd knows best for us, that the shepherd provides care, offers protection, brings guidance and nurture, nurture and nourishment into our lives. I hope that you are building your life on your relationship with this shepherd. I hope this shepherd is the focus of your life. If we spend our life focusing, focusing on the circumstances of life, we will find ourselves dizzy and confused by the anxiety and the despair that this life has to offer. But if we focus on the shepherd, so I hope that you know this psalm, I hope that you know this shepherd. I want us to pray for just a few moments, and in the silence of this place, uh, if you've never invited God into your life to be your shepherding God, I want to encourage you in the silence of this sacred space to invite God to come into your heart and be your shepherding God in your life. Or perhaps you need to ask God to empower you to focus more on the shepherd than on the circumstances of life. Would you pray with me? Great, great shepherding God, the God that we encounter in Jesus Christ, we offer our lives back to you and we trust you. We place our lives in your hand, we place our faith in you, and we 
We are so grateful for your shepherding presence in our lives. May we have the courage and the joy of living as part of your flock. We thank you for the ways that you love your flock. And may that love heal us, body, mind, spirit, and soul this day as we offer our lives back to you. In the name of Jesus Christ, our good, our great, our chief shepherd, we pray. Amen.